I want to share the word of the Lord with you. We're in a series right now looking at the year, and our theme for the year is to stand and proclaim. I gave you an overview of that last week. Well, this week we're looking at what it means to stand and the posture of your stand. How do you posture yourself when you're standing in a position? Some people posture like they're ready to fight. Some people posture like they're ready to attitude. Some people posture like they just, they're standing there and they don't know what to do. What's the posture that we're to take? As Christians and as believers, what is the posture of our stand? You can see the photo here, the picture, that the best posture we can have to stand against something is on our knees. It's in prayer. That's the posture. Some of us get caught up in the anger of the day and want to get angry back. Some of us want to fight. Some of us want to yell. There's a time to be angry, and there's a time uh, to be at peace. There's a time to uh, shout out, and there's a time to be still. But in all of these times, we have to get our instructions on our knees from the Lord. That's the posture of our stand. We are backed up with heavenly authority and not that of our own bolstering attitude. Amen? Walk, we stand in who Christ has made us. And what I want to do this morning is I want to take you through the posture of a stand of a disciple. So I'm taking you into the Gospel of Mark where Jesus gave three very specific postures that a disciple is supposed to take. Now, each time Jesus shared the posture of a disciple, it was uh, in line with his prophecy that he was going to Jerusalem to be killed and to be crucified. You see, it came a time, he's working with his disciples, his 12, and as he's working with his 12, he's trying to get them to fully comprehend who he is. And they just don't get it. They just can't get it. You get all the way through Mark to chapter 8, they still don't get it. He takes him to Caesarea Philippi, and finally there's a breakthrough. And he says, well, who do people say I am? And they repeat all the different answers. And he says, but who do you say I am? And Peter finally got it. He says, you're the Messiah. <laughs> right on, Pete. You got it. And immediately after that revelation, and as Peter is speaking for the 12, and they understand he is the Messiah, he begins to help them understand the next level. How many of you know when you reach a particular level with God, it's just the next footstep to go to the next level? Some of you have been camping out at the level you've been at, and it's time for uh, an upgrade. God wants to take you in a new revelation. He says from glory to glory, it's with an ever-increasing glory we grow. So as the church, after 2,000 years, we should be higher up on the rung of spirituality into the greater formation of God's uh, son, Jesus, to be the full stature of who he is, right? We need to move up. And so he, they realize he's the Messiah, and Jesus says, that's right. And then he says, and I, I'm going to Jerusalem, and there I will be crucified uh, for all. And Peter says, well, no, 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 wait a minute. That can't be right. I just said you're the Messiah. And he says, Satan, get behind me. You're reasoning with human reasoning. This is a danger for all of us, and the danger for the church, for us to reason our situation through human reasoning. We have to have a posture that keeps us on our knees to hear what God's saying and go to the next level. 
Don't stay on the level of your enemy. Go to the next level. Do you know the vantage point you have when you are above the enemy? He's supposed to be your footstool. So Peter says, get behind me. Get back in line, Peter. We're heading to Jerusalem. And over the next three declarations that he has concerning the prophecies of what's going to happen to him, he instructs them as to who they're becoming. Does this make sense? So, so as he's going to be the ransom for all, he's going to be the sacrifice for man, he's getting the 12 ready to be the replacement of Christ in the earth, his body, to bring his ministry to full fruition. So he's got to train them how to posture themselves. And so we go to the first one found in Mark chapter 8. Mark 8, verses 34 to 36, Jesus says, I'm going to Jerusalem, I will be turned over to the Pharisees and scribes, and I will be crucified. And then he goes on and he says to the disciples, for the first posture they're to take, if anyone is going to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever will save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his own soul? So the first posture we're to take in our stand and proclamation of the gospel is we're to pick up our cross and carry it. It's a three-part process that he identifies. He says this, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be my disciple, and you're going to come after me, first of all, you must deny yourself. Secondly, take up his cross, or take up your cross. And thirdly, follow me. Now, before we can take up our cross, we have to take up his cross. All right? So Romans 6 says that we were identified with Christ on the cross. Salvation means you have put yourself on the cross with Christ. Your sins were put there. You're identified with Christ on the cross. Who did he die for? Us. Whose sins were upon him? Ours. The whole sins of mankind. They're there. So when you come to Christ for salvation, you are identifying that you should be on that cross. You should be judged, but he did it for you. And in doing this, your sins are forgiven so the Spirit of God's holiness can now come dwell in you. Now you have the power to pick up your cross. Because before, all you could do, all I could do was sin. As sinners, the only ability we have is to sin. Oh, we can do nice things, we can do good things for people. Typically, it's because we're motivated by selfish gain or what we can get out of it. Some form of altruism is typically uh, for personal gain. Even in the end results, they'll, they'll think I'm great. But we must die with Christ on the cross and therefore our sins forgiven so that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. So now we can now deny ourselves. We can pick up our cross, which means to crucify the flesh and follow him. So this is the first posture of your stance towards God our first posture is to die with Christ rise by his spirit and now defeat the power of sin within us that we may walk righteously as we follow him 
So the first posture of the church is to walk in sanctification, power over sin. Amen? Therefore, we become a light to this world because they want to know how to get over sin. It doesn't help when church leaders are continually falling in sin publicly. You know what? If you're headed that way, step down from your position, please. Okay? <laughs> so we are all responsible to take up our cross, our personal crucifixion of our own flesh in walking in reverence. That's the first posture. All right? Before you even get into a fight with an enemy, walk in a sanctified life. Walk in righteousness. The fervent prayers of a righteous man, righteous person, righteous human being, will accomplish or avail much. Prayer accomplishes things, but if you're a righteous person, walking it, crucifying the flesh, carrying your cross daily over what you want versus what he's called you to do, you'll be much more effective and powerful. That's what's happening in the church today. We are moving into a season where the church is moving back into righteousness. It means to deny self, amen? Now, we go a little further as they're walking to Jerusalem and as they get closer and have different experiences, they're walking along and the disciples are talking between themselves and they get into an argument. Do you know what the argument is? Who's the greatest? I think I'm the greatest. You're not the greatest. I'm better than you are. Did you see how I handed out that food to those 5,000? I didn't hesitate. Listen, James and John are all over them. We deserve it. We're better than you are. Can you imagine the 12? It would be quite a sight, right? Sitting around, you know, they're walking. And Jesus is going, oy vey, what, oh. And he says, we're headed to Jerusalem. I'm going to be crucified as a ransom for many. And he goes on to the next teaching, and he says this. If anyone would be first, not a you bunch, if any of you would be first, he must be the last of all and the servant of all. Hmm. Okay. So now the next posture that he gives us to be his disciple and stand in the place he wants us to stand we first must deny ourselves by picking up our cross and follow after him. And secondly, we must become a servant to all. This isn't about reputation. Jesus gave up his reputation. He was God and emptied himself. This isn't about being in a pecking order. This isn't about a church hierarchy, those who have names and titles. Isn't it sick what we've become? Do you, do you know what Peter called Paul? Paul. Did you ever read the Bible? You ever see what Paul calls Peter? Peter. We call each other apostle, reverend, holiness, bishop to the fifth degree. Cracks me up. We've got all these titles and everything. Right? We're just people all the same following after Christ. And if you want to be the greatest, you're the servant of all. There are no rock stars in Christianity. But we've got a, a whole slew of them, don't we? Promote, promote, promote. Servants don't get promoted. 
They stay at the bottom. You understand? Now that's the posture of our stance. If you get recognition, God bless you, that's great. There are many who are getting recognition right now. That's all they're going to get. But he says you're going to be a servant of all. But who does he mean, a servant to, to all? He then takes a child and he brings the child to them, to, to himself. And, and the apostles, get these kids out of here. He brings a child and he says, if you will accept this child, you're accepting me. Now, the key to this is you have to understand the culture of the day. Children were the lowest of the low. They were not considered. They were less considered than women. Yeah, that's saying a lot. Kids were of no value. They were taught with the slaves till they came to a certain age that then they were useful and effective to work. So what he's saying is, to the least of these... All people, to the least of all of these, those who are looked over, those who cannot take care of themselves, those who are weak, those who are ignorant, those who don't know enough, serve them. Serve everyone. So our stand is to be a servant of the grace of God to all people, whether you like them or not. Do you remember? We were enemies with God, but he loved us so. Sent his son who served us. He came not to be served, but to become a servant to all. The word servant uh, is diakonos. It's where we get the term deacon. And it means to serve. When it was the Last Supper, Jesus girded up his loins, got a towel, and washed their feet. Peter said, no, no, don't do that. You're the Lord. And he was showing them that the greatest must become the least. Paul said when he talked about himself, he continually said, he understood this. He said, I am the least of all the apostles. I am the chief of all sinners. So there's an attitude to our posture and our stand. You know, we see a phrase like this, stand and proclaim, yeah! Yeah! You want to change the world? Stop yelling at them and serve them with the love of Christ Jesus. We're a servant. Well, I don't like that. I don't get any recompense. I don't get any pay. I don't get any, you know, I, my, my ego's pretty wounded. I need an attaboy every now and then. He's giving you your attaboy. Be obedient to God. Some of you have been looked over. Some of you have not been noticed. Some of you don't have a name. Some of you don't have a title. Praise God. Good for you. Pastor Ron and I were talking earlier this week. I think it was us. I had a conversation earlier this week. And we were talking about, yeah, yeah. And we were talking about who's going to be in heaven, right? And who's going to be honored in heaven. And, and we're all nervous about being behind Billy Graham. Or, or Apostle Paul, or St. Chrysostom, or, or some, you know, these great names throughout church history. But you know who will be honored. You know who will be the greatest. He said it right here. The least of all. The servants. We're going to get there, and we're going to see little Jeannie Sue. Little Jeannie Sue? Who's she? Nobody knows Jeannie Sue. 
She's the prayer warrior that changed the history of the world in 1938. I don't know what happened in 1938, but when we get there, we'll know. And we'll see how her prayer life changed everything because she served the Spirit of God that was upon her to call things out. Those who worked in the slums, those who worked in foreign lands and in other places. You know, we have this concept of heaven and we think everybody's American up there. We don't know half the people that are going to be before the throne of God who never made a name, never got in the paper, never got on the radio. That's not your posture. That's not your position. My position and your position is to serve God. Well, they go on. They're getting closer to Jerusalem. They're getting closer to the hour. Jesus helps them understand that how brutal it is, how difficult it is, that they are going to have to uh, see him be given over to the officials and crucified and dead. And um, while they're approaching, he told them that they need to become servants. And then James and John say, uh, uh, Jesus, come here for a second. We got something to ask you. We're heading to Jerusalem. We know you're the Messiah. So when you take your throne of authority, ah, what about it? James, John, could we sit at the right and left of your hand? Two brothers. This is perfect. Ah. All right. Let me help you posture for this. And he goes on and he says this. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. He already covered that. We know that, right? He said that. And whoever would be first among you must be a slave of all. Mm. Mm. Now, let's be careful with that word slave. Oh my, let's be careful with the word slave. Now, here's the thing. In the Greek, the word for slave is doulos, and you have to rightly understand what it means. It means slave. It means the least of all ordered servitude. It means to be bound as a slave. So that's what he meant. But this is interesting because what he says as to this is he says, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. Now he's talking about the body of Christ, the church. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave to all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Our relationship with God is we are to pick up our cross daily and follow Christ. Our relationship to the world is we are to be a servant to all and to the least. And our relationship to the body of Christ is we must be a slave to the body of Christ and each other. Wow. I don't know about that. Now, I know a lot of churches that treat their people as slaves. <laughs> but the people at the top and the guy in charge 
shouldn't be lording over them. Jesus said that's not how the kingdom operates. That's how the world operates. But the first, the one who has any authority, should be a slave to all. We're to be slaves to each other. I am slaving over ministering Christ's love and grace to you. I give up my time. You give up your time. We serve the body of Christ. We slave over it day and night. Our job's not done till Christ is exalted among ourselves. Could you imagine a church that had the attitude that I'm your slave? I don't like that. We as Americans, we don't like that. I don't want to do that. I already put my two hours in last week. It's not about us. It's not about the building. It's not about the church. Whatever we need to do to help each other, we become slaves for each other. Know ye not that you were bought with a price. You are no longer your own. Sounds like slavery to me. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Pick up your cross, walk in righteousness, serve this world with the grace of God and become slaves to the ministry among you. I need help. I'll be there. Ah, We've got to get something done. We've got to reach out to the neighborhood. We've got to reach the world. We, we need to come together and get the mind of Christ. Eh, I'm kind of busy. One of my favorite reruns is on. <laughs> Whatever the, the issue is. We don't want to be slaves in the body of Christ. We want to go to the spa. We want to go to the church where we have soft, nice uh, robes and and we get a massage from the Holy Spirit. A little over here, over here. Oh, yeah, Lord, yeah. Give us a good word. I feel so much better. Give us a protein drink. Ah, I'm the best because God loves me. Oh, it was good to be at church for the hour we were at. Can't wait next week. How far have we slipped in our stance? No wonder the church has no positioning in our culture. Because we don't look any different. My rights, your rights, our rights. Jeez, I'm sorry. I, I must have read this wrong. Let's reread it and see the deeper meaning. Okay? Let's see. Whoever would be first must be a slave of all. Yeah, I, I, uh, I can't really rework that. I'm being facetious, aren't I? Sometimes sarcasm has a way in. I'm, I'm, we're all guilty of it. We, we've grown up in a culture where our ease and our comfort is our whole pursuit. And God is saying, I'm not asking for your ease or your comfort. I'm asking that you would serve your body, your soul, your intellect, everything you are for the sake of the kingdom. Oh, if we only had uh, someone that would show us how to do this, 
If we had a figure that we could follow, a, an illustration, a, someone that would show us exactly what that meant. I'm glad you asked. Because I don't know about you, but picking up my cross is not easy. I get into a lot of fights with me. Following after Jesus is not easy, but I'm following. And I have to serve everybody along the way. Everybody? Everybody. I don't like that person. Serve them. Could you imagine if Jesus was on the cross and saying, I'm dying for you, you, not you, you and you. While we were his enemies, Christ died for us. And then last of all, I'm supposed to be a slave to the body of Christ. When it needs me, I'm there. When it doesn't need me, I'm there. When I'm fully engaged, I'm there. And I'm not talking about church attendance. I'm talking about ministering in the body of Christ. When I'm at work and I'm, God puts a name on my heart from the body of Christ, from sister or brother, I'll call, I'll pray, I'll do something. But I'm a slave to the body of Christ. And Jesus exemplified that. And what if we would do that? It sounds like a really hard life. It says this, let each of you look not only in your own interests, but also the interests of others. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus. This attitude, this mind, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped. He emptied himself. I mean, talk about a reputation. If anybody could brag, <laughs> right? If Jesus could brag, he could have bragged. And he gave up everything. He counted equality with God, nothing he needed to hold on to. He emptied himself, took on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on a cross. And the word servant here is a slave. Jesus did this. And then it says this. He's asking us to do the same. How can we do this? He put his spirit in us so that we could do it. Because we can't do it on our own. And this is what will happen if we will crucify our flesh, if we will serve all, if we will be a slave to the body, this is what will happen. He said, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that's above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth every tongue confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. We will have the uh, privilege to be exalted into the heavenlies, to worship and extol Jesus forever. We will be eternally alive with Christ Jesus. Is that not a good enough reward? So let's go back to our posture we should take. Let's consider how we have been standing. Let's consider how the church has positioned itself. And let's go back to the foundations. Let's go back to the blueprints. Let's go back to Christ Jesus, the rock, the cornerstone, and the foundation of all that we are to do and to imitate. And I would encourage you this week, 
if you will begin to crucify your self-interest, your self-indulgence, crucify your self for the sake of serving others and become a slave to the kingdom of God and its ministries, there will be a dynamic shift in the heavenlies for the kingdom of God. If this room would start, I think things would shift in the atmosphere.